thank you for listening to Conserve Yourself Podcast. This program is a summary of current events from a conservative perspective. We're here not to create an alternative to the leftist beliefs that are sweeping this country and world, but to discuss our long-existing conservative principles and how we can apply those principles to the heart of every story and every event. And I want to help you as a conservative to think deeper on what's happening around us, as well as letting you know that you are not alone in your conservative beliefs. Well, this week we were all able to experience the first real taste of the 2020 presidential election, and that is with the first of the three debates between President Donald Trump and Joe Biden. And anticipation was at full alert. And many really didn't know how this was going to go. President Trump's reputation of being kind of like a bull in a china shop in debates is well known. And Joe Biden has had more recent debate experience going through a very heavy debate schedule for the Democratic Party's primaries that topped out of, with 29 candidates all going through several debates. So what was the outcome? Well, basically, it was a free-for-all argument for about an hour and a half. And while many from both sides ultimately agree, a strange occurrence really, that there really wasn't a winner in this debate, the, the real loser might be the American people looking for solid evidence on a strong candidate. And some of the criticism has landed at the feet of moderator Chris Wallace, who failed to really control the debate and resulted in many times one person talking over another, including himself. And in a USA Today article, the, president, the Presidential Debate Commission is quoted as saying as, quote, last night's debate made clear that additional structure should be added to the format of remaining debates to ensure more orderly discussion on the issues. So our conservative principle of this podcast is to omit missed opportunities so to improve oneself for the next opportunity. As we live life, there are tons of different attitudes we could have. Maybe we can just get by. Maybe we just don't want to get in trouble, play it safe, but adventure is right in front of you, but it requires failure. We cannot see failure as a stopping point, but as a learning opportunity to grow from. The fear of failure has indeed stopped many good things in life, and I think we can see this debate as a failure, one to learn from and hopefully to grow from. But let me add one more thing here. Another conservative principle that we'll cover in a future podcast is that of charity, helping others. And while charity is good, sometimes that charity can be used as a crutch. So when we also go as, so when we go as far as saying that we need to prevent the failures of others, we can indeed rob them of their opportunity to grow, to get stronger, to learn, 
to take away their ability to improve themselves. And this is actually what I see on the on the uh, the left when the leftist social issues come up. Many times I see a group that actually wants to see a better world, but they believe that the outcome of a person's life is dependent on the assistance of another source. Be that government, clubs, groups, activists, or something else, individualism falls away and the collective is risen up. Individual failure isn't just criticized, it's not allowed. One person's failure story becomes the war cry of entire groups of people. And while the group advances, the individual disappears. But we aren't just in the groups that we collect in. In some ways, that's a part of us. But at night, head on the pillow, alone with your own thoughts, it is you and you alone who are responsible for your growth, your actions, and your improvement. So let's head back to that debate, shall we? In, in what is sure to have the, all of the fact-checking groups busy for a while? Let's go through a few summary points of the debate. I'm going to admit that these numbers were actually pulled from online. I wasn't exactly able to find the exact source that, of these numbers, but these might not be exact, but they're pretty close when you compare it to watching to the debate, and it's hard to watch the debate. I had to step away, come back, it's it's really it really is hard, um, but I'm sure the fact checkers will let me know otherwise. So let's let's listen to a snippet of the debate to kind of get us in the mood of these numbers. So we're going we're going to this is early on in the debate, only 17 minutes in, and really I think we're still in the first question here. Uh, the question has been asked of Joe Biden, but this is this is the debate at that moment. How do you feel? Let vote now. Make court? sure you, in fact, let people know you're a senator. I'm not going to answer the question Why because, you answer that because question? the you question is the question Supreme is the radical left. Will you shut who is up, on, man? Listen, who is on your list, Joe? This Who's is on your so list? right, gentlemen. Is, I think this we've is ended so this. He's going to pack the court. We have end, no, no, not no. Give a list. We have ended this segment. We're going to move on to the second segment. That was really so. That is a pretty good snippet example of the debate. I mean, it, it, it basically was just an hour and a half of arguing, talking over one another. So here are the numbers. But Trump was had a total of 24 minutes and nine seconds to speak on his own. Biden had a total of 33 minutes and four seconds to speak. During the debate, each candidate was given, was in, even the moderator was interrupted substantially. Trump was inter, Trump interrupted Biden 64 times. Biden interrupted Trump 57 times. There were five minutes and 35 seconds of total times where the candidates were talking over each other back and forth. And these were not part of those, those minutes of, of their total talking time. Moderator Chris Wallace interrupted Trump 21 times and Biden five times. 
So we can see that this, this back and forth arguing basically continued for most of the time. There, was, there were over 100 interruptions total, approaching 150 interruptions in an hour and a half. That's 50 interruptions every half an hour. That means that there's almost two interruptions every minute. Now imagine an hour and a half of that where every minute interruption interruption now going to, to some of the uh the questions that were asked both candidates were asked questions regarding condoning or condemning hate groups trump was asked if he would condemn condemned white supremacist groups trump said yeah sure i'm willing to do that chris wallace asked again and trump asked what group would you like me to say trump retorted proud boys trump then said proud boys stand down and stand by Biden was asked if he supported BLM. He did not answer, nor did he give a res- or even recognize the question about BLM. Um, Biden brought up his son, and that Trump called him a loser, and his son, and that his son was a a hero and received the Brown Star. Trump re- responded by asking which son. He said he said he didn't know Bo but did know about Hunter and his dishonorable discharge as well as serving 35 as receiving $3.5 million from Moscow. And these are all reports. You know, if, if you've been watching the news, you kind of see these, you know, Senate reports that are coming out showing wire transfers to Hunter Biden, the Hunter Biden kind of triangle between Joe Biden, Hunter Biden and Trump. It kind of was, kind of the the kickoff of the impeachment that happened uh, a couple years ago it was it was what he was impeached in the house for um, Trump's camp denied the report that from the Atlantic that Trump called dead World War one soldiers losers uh, and almost everything about that has been debunked at this point. Um, it's interesting that it became a part of the debate itself, seeing so many denying deniers on, and even those who aren't fans of Trump, like John Bolton, who was there that day, none of them can say that Trump said that. Biden claimed that Antifa is an idea, not an organization. And then there were the insults. So finally wrapping up, you know, this particular person who kind of collected this did a pretty good job. We actually heard, would you shut up, man, in the clip. But there were actually several insults back and forth. And and insults in a debate are, it's really frustrating. And, and I think this is on both sides. Trump told Biden, there's nothing smart about you. Trump also criticized Biden on a rally saying you, if you could get the crowds, you would have done the same thing. Trump criticized Biden for wearing a mask saying every time you see him, he's wearing a mask. He could be speaking 200 feet from it away from it. And he shows up with the biggest mask I've ever seen. Biden called Trump a racist. Biden called Trump a clown twice. Biden called Trump a liar. 
Biden referred to the president as Donald, old buddy, this man, Putin's puppy on several occasions. Biden told Trump that he was the wrong guy, wrong night, wrong time. Biden told Trump, keep yapping, man. And then, like we heard, Biden told Trump, will you shut up, man? So what do we take away from this? Mostly that these two presidential candidates are not going to sit back and and let this election just happen. One could argue that in some ways these two are very much the same attitudes with the quick to insult instead of sticking to the issues. There was argument that Biden would just not do the debates, but I think that this proves that Biden is going to show up. He is going to debate. And while many of us who really want to see the issues argued, notably because we conservatives really do have good evidence that conservative principles improve American lives, we should really prepare ourselves for more of the same. President Trump isn't going to just wake up one day and become a great issue debater. Joe Biden isn't going to have some moment of clarity to give an, a position. He's going to keep it very, very apositional. He's going to attack maybe things that Trump has done, Trump has said, Trump has uh, said he's going to do, but we won't actually see any clear direction of a position from the Biden side. Instead, again, we're just going to see more of the same. So that's it for, for the debate. We're, it's going to be interesting to see how the next two will, will come up. They're later on in the month, and so we've got a little bit of time for the next one. I do have a bonus follow-up of last week's podcast on the nomination of Amy Coney Barrett. And in that podcast, we went through the details of her life and the immediate criticism that came her way. But because of her almost diamond-tough credentials, critics had to come at her from different aspects of her life, such as her Catholic beliefs. And while we expect this, this to keep going all the way through the confirmation, another very interesting and pretty disgusting, when you think about it, attack was made this week on Barrett's character. And like many of these attacks, they're, they're kind of not directly related, directly sent, but they're said in very general terms during the discussions that happens so that most people know, that what, know what's being talked about, but it's not a direct attack. So this leads us to author Dr. Ibram Kendi. Dr. Kendi wrote a very popular book that has called How to Be an Anti-Racist. And my guess is that you have seen this at least once, if not many, people discussing this book online, especially in the times we're in. And this podcast isn't about talking about that book. I've actually not read it. I've read summaries of it. I've, I've read some reviews of it. But what we can think of, common sense-wise, is that one would think that if you are an anti-racist, 
that generalized descriptions or the mind-reading beliefs of groups of people based on color would not be very anti-racist. But that's indeed what Dr. Kennedy has done when, dis- when the discussion turned to Barrett's adoption of two black children from Haiti. So I mentioned briefly in the last podcast that, that Barrett had seven children, but I didn't go into the detail that two of her children are, are black children who she, she adopted from Haiti. And during this time of BLM and other movements bringing racial commentary to the public forum, it appears that everyone from the well-known to the not well-known has to prove now that they're not a racist. And according to some, it's not far enough not to be a racist, but you must also prove that you are an anti-racist. So earlier this week, Dr. Kendi posted a tweet, and I'm going to read the tweet, and then he had a follow-up to that. The tweet read, some white colonizers, quote, adopted black children. They, quote, civilized these, quote, savage children in the, quote, superior ways of white people while using them as props in their lifelong pictures of denial while cutting the biological parents of these children out of the picture of humanity. And then he follows up and says, and whether this is Barrett or not is not the point. It is a belief too many white people have. If they have, this is the belief that too many white people have. If they have or adopted a child of color, then they can't be racist. So he's saying that, You can't just say you're not a racist if you've adopted a child of color. You can still be a racist if you adopt a child of color. Now, this goes to the, you have to prove now that you're not a racist. You're by default a racist. And and any evidence of of not being a racist might not be good enough to prove that you're not a racist. Now, Kendi is very quick to show that he's not directing this at Barrett in his follow-up. But this, but this conversation led directly out of the, the higher conversation about Barrett's family. And he puts quotation marks around the words adopted, civilized, savage, and superior. But he's not referencing anything specific. Oh, he for sure could go and probably find something that if asked, but this isn't what he means by these quotations. What he means by these quotations is that he's creating some sort of straw man explanation from a white man or woman who might adopt black children. And while while none of us know the full background of, of Barrett's family story, most of us know the situation from Haiti. In 2010, a devastating earthquake decimated that country. And among the ruin, one of the worst aspects were the thousands of orphans created by the tragedy. Haiti already had 380,000 children living in orphanages and group homes prior to the earthquake, 
according to the United Nations Children's Fund, but thousands more were, were orphaned after. According to the NBC News article at the time, it's quoted that, quote, without their fa- with their families gone, some children were given numbers instead of names. And it is out of the compassion of the world that we would want these children not to be a number. Who steps out of, their, out of the comfort of their comfortable Midwestern life, husband and kids, good job, good family already, roots in the area, and reaches out across great distances with the prayer to give a better life to those children whose only existence is pain and the number assigned to them. I don't even have to answer this. We all know, and Dr. Kindy knows, but politics cannot allow for such concessions as to commend a woman and her family for opening up their home and giving themselves to children who only had a number for a name. And I don't know if these kids were were part of that, but neither does Dr. Kendi. And his mind-reading belief that using the words adopted, civilized, savage, superior, he might as well have called Barrett's children savages. And it's disgusting. And it's horrible. And so I, I, I commend you for looking into these issues. Don't take my word for it. Really research this. Go out there. See what people are saying. There are a lot of people who are picking up books simply because of the political structure that has directed them to those books. There are people who have the word doctor in their name as their title who who are given more free reign on the intellectual spectrum because they have the word doctor and I'm not saying that we shouldn't allow you know we shouldn't give doctors and those who have doctorate degrees respect for for the things that they've done I I, I they've put effort into that but we cannot just just whole openly accept anything that someone that that's a doctor says. And I would say Dr. Kendi needs to really follow up on this and really inspect what he's saying here because he, he is, he is blatantly applying to a person of a different skin color, the exact same things that he would say is someone who isn't an anti-racist. Well, that concludes this podcast. Hope you have a great weekend. We plan to release podcasts every Tuesday and Friday morning. I look forward to encouraging you and reminding you that you are not alone in your conservative worldview. And until next time, always remember to conserve yourself.